episode number 415 with two-time Super Bowl champion Ray Lewis. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone to this special edition of the School of Greatness podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Why am I glad you're here? Because you have a unique gift, my friend. That's right. You were born for greatness. You were born for a reason. And I don't care if you're on the journey and you know exactly what you're supposed to do, or if you're someone listening who feels a little bit off, who feels stuck, who feels uncertain, who feels like maybe they haven't found out their purpose just yet. I'm telling you, you're here for a reason and you have an incredible, unique talent and gift inside of you. It's your responsibility to cultivate and learn what that is and bring it to this planet. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you to show up and deliver your greatness to us. Now is the time. And we have an incredible interview today with someone who brings greatness out of everyone else. His name is Ray Lewis, and he's widely considered to be one of the most dominant defensive players in NFL history. He led the Baltimore Ravens to two Super Bowl titles. He was named Super Bowl MVP in 2000. He's a 13-time Pro Bowler and was named the NFL Defensive Player of the Year twice. He played with the Baltimore Ravens his entire 17-year career. He is the New York Times bestselling author of the book called Ray Lewis, I Feel Like Going On. Life, Game, and Glory, and he's got a new podcast out called Tackling Life. Make sure you guys check out both the book and the podcast to get more insights from Ray Lewis. But guys, this is a huge interview, so powerful. I was captivated the entire time. Ray Lewis has a gift. He has an incredible gift that he shares with the world, just like you have a gift, and it's time you bring it out. I hope you get inspired by this interview today. What we talk about is where Ray's drive for dominance as a player comes from. We talk about Ray's definition of what it means to be a man. Also, the most influential lessons he learned growing up without his father around and why it made him so driven to dominate. We talk about the story behind how Ray got Michael Phelps, one of the greatest athletes of all time, to come out of retirement and do what he just did in the last Olympics. We talk about Ray's vision for his legacy and his vision for the world. It's extremely powerful. And also what he hopes people will say about him after he's gone. Guys, we went to town today. I was captivated, like I said, by everything that Ray says here. So make sure to pay close attention. Uh, if you're working out, you may be working out a little bit harder with the things you hear. You may be uh, working a little harder on your business with the motivation and inspiration you gain from this interview. So make sure to share this with your friends. LewisHouse.com slash 415 will take you to the whole show notes with the video interview, with all the links, how you can connect with Ray on social media, 
about his book. All that other stuff is at lewishouse.com slash 415. We are also on Stitcher and SoundCloud and on iTunes. So share it out from any of those platforms. Get this message out there and let Ray know what you think about this interview. At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG, make the difference. All right, guys, welcome back to the School of Greatness podcast. We have a legend in the house, Ray Lewis, my man. So good to see you. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me, man. Now, you are... uh, Arguably the best defensive player in NFL history. 17 years in the NFL, is that correct? 17. 17, 13 Pro Bowls. 13. Two Super Bowls. Yeah. And one heck of a human being. (laughs) So we're super pumped you're on here. Thank Um, you, man. I've only heard great things about you over the years. We met, I think, about a month and a half ago for the first time for lunch. Yeah. And um, when I met you in person, I just said, this is a guy I want to hang out with. This is a guy who's a good, good human being, great heart, and... Man, your level of focus and commitment is this the top I've ever seen. You know, just having a conversation with you over lunch, I was like, mm. this guy's focused. <laughs> he's got a clear vision of what he wants, and he's going after yeah. it. And, uh, you know, you did that in the NFL for, for 17 seasons, and it's the reason why you're so successful. So congrats on all your success. Yeah, thank you, man. You have a book out called I Feel Like Going On. Yes, sir. Ray Lewis. Make sure you guys go get the book. We'll link it up in the show notes. Um I've listened to the half the audio book, which I wish it was your voice, but the guy sounds like you pretty much. He's intense. It's funny. It's funny because <laughs> when we got ready to do it, I was like, you know, there were parts in there that I was like, oh, I would get so emotional reading Oh, that. I could imagine. Yeah. I could and imagine. So, and so this guy, uh, my guy was like, you know, we have a guy that really has your voice. He was and, good. And so, I, and, and I said some of it, I probably, I may go back and redo it yeah. and do it, but I I, 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 I passed that along. Yeah. The next one you can do. Yeah. The next book. Next two or three. There'll be many more. Yes. <laughs> You've got a podcast out right now yeah. called Tackling Life. Yeah. Just launched it. It's you and a co-host. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about what this is. Yeah. It's, uh, me and a co-host, uh, Dr. Christian Conti. Uh, he's a psychologist. Um, we... Started working together about two years ago on this show called Coaching Bad that we did on Spike Television. And it was essentially bringing coaches in to where we would find these, like, just real problems in the in the hoods and on these teams where coaches would just belittle people and just mm. talk to these kids yeah. all type of ways. So me and Doc would get together and then kind of counsel them and just say, wait a minute, so why? And then, Lewis, as you know, there's always a deeper issue somewhere. Mm. Right. And then one of them was abuse from their early father. And, you know, my husband is abusive and all these different things. So we found underlying things that was really triggering um, the way they spoke to these kids. But what me and him started to figure out was, wow, like we're really good together. Like we're I can bounce Mm -hmm. thoughts off you. And ironically, right. He's from Pittsburgh. Right. And I'm Baltimore. And I'm like, how do I? Get connected with a freaking <laughs> Pittsburgh Steeler, right? That's and uh, and then we started talking, and, and after the show kind of ended and it didn't pick up the second year, we was like, look, I think this is just the beginning for me mm-hmm. and you. Mm-hmm. And so we started to meet, and our family started to get along, and I love his daughter and everything. And so it was like, okay, let's let's figure something out. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
we actually started to create this online platform called 52 Mindsets of Mindfulness. Mm. And so we create, you know, 52 thoughts and we give you actually structures around it. Um, we're actually writing another book right now together. Um, and, and then that's how kind of the podcast started to come wow. up because people was like, you know, I get on my social sites like, you should do a podcast, do a podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay, let me find out what a podcast is <laughs> <laughs> and all these different things. And then so when I thought about really creating a podcast, it was who would it be with? Mm. And and um, I don't know if I wanted to carry it alone. Um, I applaud you for carrying yours alone, but yeah. I think me and him just made such a great mess. Sure, sure. And that's how it ended up happening, man. Just a natural organic fit. That's great, yeah. man. That's yeah. great. Um, speaking of troubled experiences, it's you talk about it in your book about yeah. how your father wasn't around growing up. Um, and I love some of the stories you talked about, especially the wrestling stories early <laughs> on in your high school. I didn't know you were like this big-time state champion wrestler. Yeah. And the reason you became a wrestler was to essentially – <laughs> remove the legacy of your father's name, yeah. right? Yeah. You were like committed to doing something just because he wasn't there for you in spite of him. Yeah, it was more of, um, it was more of, you're, you're right, but it was just more of how do I get rid of this pain mm -hmm. that I can't overcome? I just couldn't get by, past yeah. it. Yeah. Your father was never there, right? Or oh, was... man. I <laughs> Never there, um, almost an understatement, you know, <laughs> I just... It, 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 you never met him, right? Not until, you know, and then I hear these stories, right? Oh, he was around when you was younger. I'm like, really? Man. Who remembers that at two and three? Right, right, right. right? But, um, you know, when I was growing up all the way through, I just never knew Pops. And I'm like, you know, like, Mom, I never forget. I'm like, Mom, like, why? Like, where? where's that? Like, why don't he want to come see me? Like, mm. wow. And so... Um, Ninth grade, I quit basketball. I thought basketball was a very soft sport. <laughs> yeah, you know? I read, I heard that story about <laughs> right? you. You like tackled someone almost. Yeah, but it was like it wasn't a hard foul. It was, right, just, right, right. it was aggressive foul. Yeah, and he started screaming so loud. Oh my gosh! And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh! And then I'm like, I can't do this. It's too soft. Yeah. And then as I'm walking out, this wrestling coach was standing. He was like, Come do this. And I was like, I'm not gonna do all that. <laughs> cafeteria was sweaty and all this stuff. And the next year, um, 10th grade, um, this guy walked up to me um, and was like, you should look at this. And I picked up this magazine, and it was a wrestling book from 1975, the year I was born. And the first picture I opened, it was my father's picture. Mm. And I was like, wow, okay. And uh, then I said, mm, really? I was like, I'm wrestling. And he was like, you ain't never wrestled before. I said, no, I don't need to you know. About wrestling, I just want to wrestle. So I started wrestling, man, and then, you know, I just fell in love with the one-on-one -on -one competition yeah. that you couldn't put it on nobody else. It was you and you on the mat, and 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 then I started to read further into this book, and I saw my father had every record in this book at the school he was at every eight. record yeah. at the school, and I'm saying to myself, Lewis, I'm like, wow, like this man was dominant, wow. <laughs> like he was really dominant. And when I started, I had a coach by the name of Rittenbaugh. He was he was good, but he wasn't a technician type teacher. And so I was just like on straight brute and on straight pain and just frustration. So I used to just grab people and just slam them to the mat. <laughs> no technique. Just, no technique, <laughs> no nothing. And, it, and and I always tell this my kids this now that in every fourth quarter and every 
final of anything, fundamentals is going to get you through. Absolutely. And my my first year wrestling fundamentals, it got me. It got it, I got caught. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm 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 in the match. I'm in the semifinals before I go to state. My first year wrestling, I'm like, I'm about to be going to the state finals, and I'm sitting there bear hugging this guy, and they must have studied me, and he hit me with a head and arm, poof, and oh my gosh, and if you know what a head and arm is, is when you bear hugging, and then when you bear hugging, he comes across and hooks your arm in, and when I looked up, I was like, no. No, don't <laughs> let him pin me. And then he must try to end up pinning me. I was mm. devastated. Mm. And then, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that the seriousness of what it meant to be a champion, a state champion. Yeah. And um, and so after that year, I came back. And the next year, what's funny is that you you saw this in the book. The next year, I go back to wrestling, and the guy who tried to get me in the ninth grade, which was Stephen Poole was transferred over to Kathleen Senior High. Mm. And then he was like, I'm the new wrestling coach. And I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> let's go. And he was a pure technician. He taught me everything, took me home at the school every day. And then he asked me one day, I'll never forget, we was riding home, and he was like, what drives you? Like, what drives you? And I was like, um, I just don't know. Why my father don't come see me? And he was like, so, ooh. He was like, and you don't know? I said, I don't know nothing. And he was like, wow. And I was like, you know, can you just take me home? He was like, well, let me take you. Do you got something to eat? I was like, nah, my mom. You know, I don't eat often. Um, You know, I have four sisters and brothers, and you know, my mom had to take care of them a lot. And so a lot of times I had to skip meals. Um, So... He started to become a father figure to really see what my drive was. And then every after every practice, without overriding other kids, he would say, you want to get some extra work in? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I want to know it all. And he just he he took me under his wing. And as a as a man, as a technician, he taught me how to defeat a man physically by touch, by give, by take. And once I learned that. That skill, you never lose it. Yeah, you know, it's it's what you see now in the MMA. Yeah, all uh, these different things. Once you have that skill of how to, you know, beat a man, it never leaves. And that's when I started to really say, every time I got mad that my dad wasn't there, I would go on the mat, and I would just envision he was in the stands one time. Really, and I was like, I'm gonna give you something that you've never seen. And that's when I was like my junior year, I was like thirty nine and one. Wow. My junior year I didn't lose at all. And then I lost in the state finals by one point. Oh. Yeah, got second. Ooh. Hurt. That Hurt. Yeah. And then my, my 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 final year I came back and I just I just like I looked at my coach. He was like, What you wanna do? I said, Tell me what he didn't do. Mm. And I had snapped everyone his records before that and he was like, There's never been a state champion here. And I was like, Really? I said Guarantee I'm winning state this year. I said, take me through everything. So he took took me through it all again, and um, and you know me and my father now we're real good friends. But you know my 11th grade year, as you read in the book, mm. you know he sent me that letter, and I changed my name legally, and I was like, mm, I don't know if I would ever walk in his name. Mm. You know, I don't want to walk in his name. And so my senior year, this guy by the name of Tober Bain 
who was a referee, he said, I coach your father. And he said, I don't know if you ever will know you're the spin image of him. Hmm. And I said, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so he was like, oh, you are your father's son. Yes, you're your son. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, okay. He was like, well, I'm refereeing your match. Well, I said, well, you get to watch something he never did. Mm. And he was like, what's that? I said, his fastest pin was eight seconds. I said, I'm going to beat this guy in five. No way. He was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> the, whistle, the whistle blew. I hit him with an ankle dial. I hit him with an ankle dial. I climbed up on him so quick. Five seconds. Wow. Match over. Let's go. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was things like that, wow. man, that 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 took um I think took a missing piece that I tell even my kids to this day, you know, I have four kings and two queens, and I tell them to this day, there are certain moments in a child's life that a father should never miss. Because when they replace it, they replace it with things most of the time they get them in trouble. Because of where I was, how I was raised, and my mom was so strict, I replaced it with dominance over mm. another individual. Wow. So that's how my pain and everything that I was dealing with, I don't encourage nobody to live the way I live because I had hate for my father. Yeah. And hate turned into fuel. So I never would take too many breaks at all, still to this day. It's hard for me to take a break, Lewis, because I always remember the emptiness of never being able to say, hey, Dad, what you think about? Oh, never mind. That voice ain't here. Mm. And so, you know, when we became friends later in life, you know, one of the first things I told him when, when he started to come around, I said, just do me one favor. Don't ask me for nothing. Mm. Just be my dad. Just be around to be my father. That's it. And so times I can jump in. And I can be a son, um, and then times I can I I have to get away from it because yeah. I'm a father, right. and now and I'm not a, a a child anymore, and I don't need per se what I needed when I was a child, and so now I um I I I, I balance it out. I don't not that it's a good thing, but I don't call him as much. Mm. Uh, we don't see each other as much um, than we first started to to make up for, and so. I just live, man, and you know I love I love him. I forgave him um, for every moment that he missed, but it was it was my fuel. That was that's what fueled me in wrestling. That's what fueled me to break every one of those records. And yeah, so, yeah. Was there a time when you started to, uh, whether it be in the NFL or before then, where you started to not be fueled by this anger, this pain, but you became fueled by something bigger than that? Yeah. Yeah. And how did you transition from the, the anger to whatever that was? Yeah, my 12th grade year, um, my my, uh, my junior year in college, um, my mom, I was going to University of Miami. My mom had moved us to Memphis mm. because we had went broke and she had to move the family. And so she moved us to Memphis. And I said, Mom, you cannot do this. Like, I'm, I got two years left in high school I, I, and I'm going to college. Right. And she was like, you ain't going to college. You're going to raise your, you're going to help me raise these kids. Wow. And this is the way we're going to do this. And we're going to live as a family. Wow. And I'm like, Mom, like, no, don't do this, Mom. You're going to. And so, man, she had me in Memphis, and I ran away a few times <laughs> and paid heavy for the consequences. But when I got back, I never forget it. I was sitting on the floor, and she walked up on my right on this side of my shoulder, and she slid $20 worth of food stamps down the side of my arm 
And she says, I'm making a big, I think I'm making the biggest mistake of my life by letting you go back to Lakeland. And I was like, okay, okay. She said, here go $39, here go a Greyhound bus ticket. She said, get on the bus. Wow. And I was like, all right. And then it was the hardest thing ever because I had to leave my family for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you were how brothers old? and sisters. This was me, 17. Going into senior year? Yeah, wow. going into my senior year. And so when I left, man, my senior year comes up. I call mom. And if everything go through, I call mom. I was like, mom, I got a scholarship. She was like, what? What, what do you mean? I was like, mom, I got a scholarship. Like, I'm going to college. Wow. And then she was like, um, Okay. She was like, well, you know, times are rough up here, so you just let me know what I can do what you, do for you. And I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I'll survive. And so every day I used to eat like a bag of candy. So that was my dinner. That's why I don't eat candy now. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to eat a bag of candy. And then the transition happened my, soft, my, my, junior year, my freshman year, University of Miami. My sophomore year, my mom got enough money to move back home. Mm. She left the guy that she was with. She moved back home to Lakeland. And then she called me my junior year and said, I'm broke. I can't, the light's off. There's no food in the house. And I cannot feed your brothers and sisters. Mm. I was like, okay, pack up and everybody come live with me. Wow. She was like, you're in college. I was like, I will make it. Wow. Just come on. And that's you, when it changed. Because you're getting housing too. You're getting, you know, a stipend. Well, I was living off. Or... I was living off campus then. You know, I won't share everything that was sure, going sure. on. <laughs> <laughs> this is back before they were regulated. <laughs> this is back before they was watching closely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but you had your own place and yeah, you had and all the food you needed. I had a two bedroom place. You were, you were hooked um, up right then. The Grove. I was hooked up. Yeah. And she came down, and that's when it shifted for me. That's when pain. I started to forget pain and started to say, if I can make my mom smile, I will never stop ticking. Wow. And so the moment she pulled up, I'll never forget it. She pulled up and she said, baby Ray, what are you doing? And I said, mom, I'm taking care of us. She was like, baby, some baby. Cause you know, she pulled up. I got a house. I got cars. I'm like, we going to be all right. She was like, I don't know what's going on. And so, man, she pulled up, and then that, and that, and that's what started to shift for me. And then I started to, to get weight off my shoulders. Like, okay, father ain't there. It's cool. Now you're the dad, mm. and 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 you got to run things now, and you have to be smart enough and this and that. And, and you're a starter at at, at the U at yeah, this time, the U. right? You're a yeah. starter. You're well, doing well. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing. I came in my freshman year, and I, you know, I shocked people because I knew. You know, it's a rule I always tell people, right? I've never beat no one out, just flat beat anybody mm-hmm. out, right? But I always tell people, don't ever lose your job to me. Right. Because you may never get it back. You get injured, <laughs> you get, you mess up, you say the wrong thing. Listen, Lewis. <laughs> he put you in for Lewis, one play. <laughs> that's what happened. I'm yeah. telling you, Lewis. But my senior high school, guy by the name of William Campbell, I'm a sophomore, William Campbell, he gets in a fight. And he slams this guy and he breaks his jaw the Wednesday before starting day on Friday. The next thing you know, Coach Grady Maddox stands up and says, and my senior high school and says, Ray Lewis is our starting rover, which is starting strong safety this week. 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference. Um, William Campbell's not here, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, what? It's Wednesday. Friday's the game. <laughs> and we're playing against Cluiston. Mm. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, boy. And I get in the game, and I have like 24 tackles. Oh, my gosh. Crush some crazy game. Never got his job back. Right. Went to University Went to University of Miami. Same thing. This guy, I'm 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 not even a media guy. Remember, Miami gave me this scholarship. Um, last scholarship they had because wow. somebody got hurt. Once again, there was a guy, they had the number one linebacker in the nation, and he ended up blowing his knee out on a quad runner. And they called me four days before signing day. No way. Yes, University of Miami. Dennis Erickson and Art Keogh saw me play my last game in high school against the number one recruit of the nation at, at the time, which was Jamie German. They were looking at him. He was looking at him. But they played They played us in my hometown, and I had this incredible game, like 27 tackles, oh my almost 170 yards rushing. It was crazy game. I had a crazy game. And when I the game was over, I never forget falling on my knees and I cried like a baby. And every Fort Myers guy walked by and said, Man, can you suit up with us next week? Can you play with us next week? And I realized that my it was over for me. And your I, last game. Last game. Oh, it's hard. And and next thing you know, four days before Sunday, the University of Miami calls me and says, We're gonna give you a full scholarship. Oh my gosh. I jump in the car, my grandmother drive me down. And I get there, and I'm like, okay, I got a pack of, I got a pack of number two pencils, I got a pack of paper, I got one pair of jeans, and I got a three t-shirts, three white t-shirts. She was like, you gonna be all right? I said, I just need a little money. She said, I got, I <laughs> fifty got, bucks or something. I got twenty dollars worth of food stamps. <laughs> I said, give me the twenty dollars. Wow, I survived. And she dropped, they dropped me off. And I was like, survival was on. Wow. And so I was like, here we go. And then I get to college, and then these guys are like, who is this? guy who's just cracking on everybody like i was a jokester right and so martin lawrence was my favorite like <laughs> yeah. character and so like jerome and otis <laughs> and all these people right every time uh the older guys just always make me come in like you gotta do it you gotta do it before the <laughs> meet and so i became like really popular to the older guys because i sure. was just like one of the guys and i never forget we got on the field first day they was like wait a minute like what's that and i was like there's not a more dominant player on this field than me right now really your freshman year my freshman year wow and this one warren south and you know a lot of people warren know, was there too yeah warren south was in his sophomore year he's a beast he's a beast
beast. <laughs> oh, there was no greater was privilege man. than to play behind Big Daddy. Oh, my oh, gosh. My, when I tell you dominant, ah. <laughs> when he goes, I say, just go. Just go. I'll play off you. Don't right, you worry right. about me. I'll He's play taking like three players. Oh, and my gosh. Just like running in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm talking about pure dominance, man. And then, you know, that's the same year, uh, you know, me and The Rock. We played. Oh. He was there. He was there, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Ninety three. Same year as you. Same years. Yeah. Was so he as he, dominant? He was. He wasn't as dominant of a football player. Nah, was he? nah, nah. He was kind of like nah. special teams or something, right? Yeah. He he was a he was a huge weight room guy. Oh, he could lift. Yeah, right? he was. He could do it. Was so strong. He was throwing up like forty reps. Yeah. Twenty five. See, everybody know him as the Rock. I say Dewey. See, because I know him personally. <laughs> <laughs> and then, man, it was like this thing. And Randy Shannon, who's at the University of Florida right now, was my linebacker's coach. Mm. And he just grew fond of me quickly. Wow. And he was like, wait a minute, this kid. And I was like, and i never forget, he sat me down. He's like, what number you want? I was like, I, I said, I want a number nobody else has had. He was like, well, there's been some great ones coming through here. Darren Smith came through here, wearing number 45. Jesse Armstead wearing number one. Michael Bear wearing number 56. Rohan Marley, who's been my college roommate in 23 years probably my best friend and he says so what number you want to go after i said i don't want none of those numbers he was like what do you mean i said i'm starting my own thing mm. he was like well here are the numbers here are the options <laughs> the numbers that's left and he pointed and he said what about 52 he's like nobody's never worth 52 but a center he said we had a center that wore that i said 52 is my number <laughs> he said well why 52 i said because I, I said, that's God's number. He said, he said, wait a minute. He said, you're a spiritual? I said, that's all I know. I said, God is all I know. He was like, so what do you mean that's God's number? I said, five and two is seven. Mm. Seven is the number of completion. He said, that's your number. He gave me 52 that day. Wow. And then I was like, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's on. Wow. Man. And then, man, uh, you know, there was a bunch of the guys that was, you know, highly recruited over me and and sure. I was a little bit different, Lewis, because I was I was the one that I couldn't take a break. So every day I was in the house, Lewis, I was doing oh my gosh, somewhere twenty five, twenty five hundred push ups, twenty five hundred sit ups wow. every night. Like after practice. Yeah. Oh man, before I went to bed. Your machine like, dude. It was like I was like because I was like, I'm not starting not nothing. I'm right. just I'm just trying to make a way, you know. I got mom them there, and I'm really trying to figure this out. And mom's broken. I'm like, okay. And I never forget it. Um, Robert Bass, the senior, was playing in front of me, and there's this other backer who was the number one backer in the nation, which was James Burg James Burgess, who was real good friends of mine. We were, we we became so close. Mm. JB took care of me in so many ways, man. I I love what the University of Miami stands for mm. because it's a brotherhood of people taking care of each other. And we get into the second game of the year, mm. my freshman year, true freshman, and we're playing Virginia Tech. And it's like six minutes and 38 seconds on the clock. And Robert Bass gets hurt, blows out his knee. And Randy Shannon, out of all the linebackers he could have chose, he says, I want Ray Lewis. And I said, huh? And you haven't played up to this point yet. We're we hadn't had a game. I played right. in Boston College, which was the first game I played four plays, right. the last four plays of the freaking game. Right. Um, I did end up with three tackles and a pass break, though. <laughs> but, but, uh, and then that, and then he got hurt. And then Randy was like, I want Ray. And I was like, 
huh? Get, and I said, oh, boy. And he put me in the game, man, at middle back. And I was like, they, nobody's ever getting this job back. You're never coming out. Like, they don't know. I'm never coming <laughs> out, Lou. Lou. Wow. Like, and so, man, that game, man, I ended up with like 16 tackles and a half. And then next week, Colorado, um, ABC. They had Rashard Salam, Cordell Stewart, Michael Westbrook, wow. Charles Johnson, Kristen Fourier. They had they had a team like no yeah. other, no other. And I never forget the person, honestly, who I who I still credit to this day, put me on the map. Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson said, "I don't know if you know this young kid out of Lakeland, Florida, but if you've never watched football, this is a football player." This is a broadcaster. This or is this broadcaster, Keith gotcha. Jackson. Wow. Yeah, Colorado. I was starting as a as a true freshman. Wow, that hadn't happened since Charles Farms. So um, when they brought me in, I was like, man, I went in Colorado and I had like, I had like twenty one tackles, four pass breakups, a sack. Mm. And they asked me after that game, and this is where it all changed for me. They asked me after that game. They said, "How good you think you could be?" Wow. And I said. Before I leave here, I'll be the greatest player to ever walk up on the University of Miami. <laughs> and oh my gosh, the waves and the papers oh and everybody gosh. was writing. And it was like, this kid says this and this is that. And one of the first phone calls I got was from Michael Irvin. And he was like, I love it. He was like, that's hurricane football. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, Michael Irvin just called me. <laughs> I was like, this is freaking cool. Wow. And man, that's what kind of. That's what kind of set me up to to tell people, you know, like I just always I was always the prepared one mm. that there was nothing I didn't know about every position on the football field. And that's why I think when the opportunity knocked for me, it was like, I'm I'm telling you, you will never beat me out. It's hard to beat me unless out. Unless you get injured. Or- unless I get injured. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So that that's kind of what the thing that kind of catapulted me to remember I told you was which changed my passion. Yeah. To then start to totally focus on making my mom smile. Wow. So everything that started burning inside of me, I never forget, man, when I was sitting out there one day and I came home and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm got I'm out. She was like, What do you mean? I said, I'm leaving college. She was like, Baby, you're not leaving college. I said, Mom, we're broke. We have no food in the house. Mm. I'm taking care of all of us. What do you want me to do? Stay here and keep going through this and come back another year? I just hurt both of my ankles. I, I yeah. guarantee it I'm going first round if I leave this year. Mm. She's like, no, it's not promise. What about your wow. degree? I said, I sign up, I'll sign a paper with you right now. <laughs> that I'll get it later. That I'll get it later. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, that's the only way you leave. Now. Wow. So and you're I was, junior. Junior. So you left. Left. First round. First round. <laughs> you got that money. Yeah. After they told me, you know, I just heard so many things, Lewis. You know, that's why I tell people, man, like, nobody dictates what you what you do in life. You know, you dictate it. Nobody controls how hard you push in life. People can talk about you. People can say what they want to say about you. But nobody knows what your heart says every second. And that's what, for me, my heart told me, don't ever believe people. Because if you listen to people, you would never amount to anything. Mm. And when I came out, I heard people say so many things. He's too small. He can't play in this league. He will only be a special teamers. And I said, wow, but you've never met me. Mm. So how, it, it, so it kind of blew my mind to how people had already put me in this box. 
and forget speaking the coach's name, but the you know, one coach when I told him I was leaving, he was like, I got I have a bunch of coaches around this NFL and I'm guaranteeing you will you will go no better than the fourth or fifth round. Wow. I said, Really? Okay. When your coach is at Miami. Yeah. I said, Well wow. I'm out I'm out either way. <laughs> so let's see yeah. how this goes. Yeah. And then um and then you know, the story started to tell itself. Mm. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. You wrote the story. I wrote it. You wrote it, right? <laughs> you were the author of that story. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's what I tell people. You know, I, th- I tell people the challenge of real life is, is being able to take something that's supposed to count you out and say, you won't win because I control the outcome. And when people, if you if you don't understand that, understand it this way. If it was not for the things I did not have, I don't know if I would have ever pushed the way I pushed. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I love my father to death, but I don't know if I wanted my father around me with the life that he was living. Mm. I don't know if I would have ever thought about why my brothers and sisters was more important than myself if my father was around, Mm. because I would have saw a different example. Me not having growing up makes me appreciate giving now. That's why I give to so many people. And I don't do it with cameras. I don't need cameras. Yeah. I just I got a rule, Lewis, to change one life a day. Physically change a life a day, right? And when you do it, you realize that everything that I had lived was preparing me for now. Mm. And it's because I pushed through it. It's because that I had a I had a system that it was not man dependent and it wasn't system dependent. It was heart dependent. Mm-hmm. It was effort dependent. It was if you get up and do it, there's only a certain thing that follows action and that's results. And so for me, I had this cycle of praying. I had this cycle of faith and I had this cycle of seeing my mom smile. Mm. And so at 41, I have the same cycle. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Praying, faith and seeing my mom smile. Wow. So my energy now in life is greater now than even when I was playing. Wow. Because now Every second is to make my mom smile. Like everything I do. Like that's why I tell people, if you hear me say something about you, don't get mad. It ain't personal. <laughs> right. It's never it's never personal because I don't have I don't have a personal vendetta towards nothing or no one. I just have my opinion. Yeah. Right. And I think I think as a people we should all have an opinion. You know, and so I think that's it it it, it started to mold me to the man that I now am mm-hmm. that says, No, I remember you saying I couldn't do that. I remember all the critics saying mm-hmm. that my careers was over and I was losing this and losing that. So I think the inspiration on why I started podcasts, why I started to get involved in a lot of things is simply because people are listening to too many other people. Right. You know, we're in a we're in an era now where social media is king now and so you know you're reading what everybody posts and this and that. But I, I always say that it's funny that social media never gives the ability to judge yourself before you judge someone else, mm-hmm. you see, and so that's the trick of people that they don't know how to get by social media. You get by social media, don't read that mess, right? Freaking read what somebody says about me; it's irrelevant, yeah, right. And so I think it's that was my that was my driving force all the way up. It's because of everything that I didn't have or heard that is said and this and that. And that. so I used to post a lot of things. I used to a lot of years ago. I used to post articles where people used to say. Well, he can't do this, and he's too small. He's, I was like, really? <laughs> they don't know what it feels like to be in this weight room right now. Mm. 
they don't know what it feels like working out seven times a day. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know that I guarantee you I will play longer than any other linebacker has ever played in this game. Wow. They don't know. Right? They don't know that my one of my greatest heroes was Junior Seau. Rest in peace. Yeah. They don't know how many times I sat down with him at the Pro Bowl and I wow. asked him, what was it? Like, teach me. Like, I'm, I, like Lewis, I was so different because I was like a sponge yeah. to every – to every mentor I had, one of my greatest mentors that nobody understands was Benny Thompson. Benny Thompson was this, oh my gosh, he's probably one of the best special team players of pure effort mm. than I've ever been around in my Heart. life. Heart. Came from Cleveland, 1996, man, and he grabbed me, and, I, and, and, and I'm like, and he used to always call me. He used to always call me special delivery because <laughs> he used to always say, "I'm gonna come up with a plate somewhere. I'm gonna come up with a plate." UPS. He used to say UPS. And it was guys like him that I started to sit up under. Mm-hmm. It was guys like Eric Turner, rest in peace, that I started to sit up under. Stephon Moore, Antonio Langham. I started to sit up under these guys. Anthony Pleasant, Robert Nett. Bro, I can go down the line of guys that I sat with and just was like a sponge to just download this knowledge of what it is mm. to be a professional or what it is to. And then once I, I downloaded enough of it, I, I never said I was okay. I kept going to somebody else. Yeah. And then somebody else. And then somebody else. And so that's why I think my evolving into the person that I became athletic-wise was because of my historic background of going back and studying people, not just studying them on the field, but I studied more people off the field. That's how I learned how to speak. So I learned how to speak. I had a bad stuttering problem when I was a kid. Um, my stepfather done something very bad to me one day. Um, I was looking out of a window after he had physically abused my mom, and I was crying because I tried to help her, but he used to beat both of us up. But anyway, and... I was looking out the window one day and he took a snake and he threw it in my lap and I was stuck. Like a real snake. Yeah. And I was stuck and I was like, and I couldn't get it out. Wow. And for years I was stuck with this slur. So if I would say, I was, I would always, yeah. And so, you know, and then, you know, they, my family, you know, they wrote it because they, Started calling me bad nicknames like whoa, whoa, and all these different things. That doesn't help you. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, right? And then I started to watch people's mouth. So I would get up close to a television and I would watch people speak. Mm. And I was like, okay, okay, got it. And that's how I learned how to start to speak, to really open up. Um, Wow. Yeah, so I, I, I was a sponge. Um, and that's why I tell people, kids learn exactly what they live. Yeah. Just as so as people, right? We dissect and download everything that we see, experience, witness, or have to endure. And so those things for me mm. were my way of saying, do you, do you, and don't do it to be liked. Mm. Do it to be respected. Mm. Because being liked you will have your fair weather fans. I don't yeah. I don't live to be liked, man. I do not live <laughs> to be liked. You know, I do I will go home to the next life as being respected. Yeah. Like hmm, you can like me, you can hate me, whatever, but me as a person, 
Nobody controls my temperature. I control my temperature. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So much I want to ask you. I'm yeah. fascinated by <laughs> where do you think you'd be right now if mm-hmm. your dad was the most loving, caring, attentive, I, I don't, I giving, don't, you know, father? You know what? I said it to this day, Lewis. I don't know. Um, you know? And I shared this with him. Mm-hmm. You know? You, you're talking about a person who's now a real close friend of mine. Um, I don't know because I don't know if my passion would have been the same. You know, it was, it was, remember, it was all the things I didn't have. Yeah. Man, what excited me, what excited me then, now, was, you know, going all the way back, my mom at 10 years old, I was crying, and stepfather just really beat her up real bad, and she had black eyes. At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG. Make the difference. Everywhere. And I tugged on a dress and I said, one day, one day, you'll never have to work another day in your life. Wow. And I'm going to make sure that happens. Mm. And she was like, you 10, boy. <laughs> and I was like, but I know. Mm. I know. And that's why I tell people, man, be careful what you show kids. Because kids remember. Remember it absolutely, and I'm talking about it to this day. I never forgot it. Yeah, and 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 one thing you can never get get past is it will never leave you. Mm-hmm. It's just if you put set it aside for a while. But if you want to be inspired, you can tap back into absolutely. it at any given moment. Absolutely. And so that's what I think really make start making me realize that my mom never spoke a ill word about my father. Not wow. one time in my entire life. I'm, I'm telling you, I cannot remember a sentence where my mom said one thing bad about my father. She only said to me one time, she said, you need to learn who your father is. This was early in my 20s. She <laughs> said, because you're following his same path. Right. And I said, okay, wow, I guess I need to find out who my father is. Mm. And then I started asking around and asking a bunch of people. And then I started to realize, they was like, yeah, your father got 10 kids. And I was like, <sighs> My father got 10 kids. Wow. Like, really? Wow. I only know two, and that's my twin sisters. Hmm. So they was like, and then by this time, I done moved in. I got a girl. We got three kids together. It's wow. like, I'm like, because I'm craving to have my own family. Yeah. And this and that. And then I started to realize, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, we ain't going to make his mistake. And so at 24 years old, it was my last child. But that was after I found out who my father was and the life that he lived. And that's why I tell kids, uh, men, especially now that I'm that I mentor a lot, is even if you don't want to, go back and sit with your father if you have that ability. Because whether you want to or not, you're gonna learn something. Mm. And so I learned everything. And what I learned the most, Lewis, is I don't want to be like you. Not when it comes to being a father, right? As a man, I laugh with you all day. Mm-hmm. Me and you cool. But when it comes to being a father, mm-mm, me and you are totally opposite. Because I don't know what missing one of my children's birthdays, graduations, feel like. Every birth, I'm there. Cutting a biblical cord. Yeah, like, it's just certain things. As a man, mm. I could not imagine me not being there for my kids. And so that's that was the, the things that I think I learned over the years of not having a father is why I consider myself. You know, I, I think my kids are privileged to have me simply because of what I didn't have. Yeah. And I wanted to give them everything. The I pain did. you had, you wanted to make sure yeah. you didn't feel it. Absolutely. Never endure that. Yeah. Well, who would you say is more influential in your life, your mom or your dad? My mom. 
Yeah. And what's the biggest lesson she's taught you? <sighs> Don't you ever trust man. Don't trust man? She says, put your trust in no man. I, and she's installed me with that. Mm. She says, put your faith and your trust in God and God only. Because man will fail you every time. Mm. And when I started to hear that, I didn't know exactly what she was saying until I started to really live it then research it, then go back and live it again, and then research it again, then experience it. Then you're like, wait a minute. And then when you think about all of the pain that's caused in this world, trees don't hurt us. <laughs> Ocean, oceans don't hurt us. Mm -hmm. right? People hurt people. People embarrass people. People belittle people. And that's what she protected me from. Mm. She protected me from ever letting my trust get so heavily into people, which I did, which I did, man. I I trusted people who crushed me, mm. who hurt my heart. I mean, they can take your heart and throw it away yeah. by the way they treat you and how they speak to you and certain things. And But I've never forgotten that. And I've never forgotten why every day I pick up, if not my Bible, I'm reading something to to grow stronger with him. Yeah. Because one day we all got to leave. And when those gates spread i want him to to renew my voice by what i did here mm. by how much time i spent with him here and that's what i kind of got from that from from the mature, from the mature side of spirituality is god ain't gonna force a relationship with him you got to go get a relationship with god mm. and i would invest in a relationship with god any day before i invest in a relationship with the man mm -hmm. because he ain't gonna it's just certain things he won't do or even attempt to do that man will do and so my mom became my hero young, mm. young, because I saw mom endure pain that I was like, mom, like, why are you freaking letting this guy keep putting his hands on you? Mm. Like, let's go. Like, we don't have to deal with this. She was like, I ain't got no money. I can't move. I'm like, this is with black eyes. I'm like, mom, we got to go. I can't anything for my kids. Wow. And I was like, damn. And then, um, and man, it was, um, and then still to this day, man, I'm telling you, like, when I look at her, like, I, I, I grab her, like, I hold her, like, look, I got you. In this life, until God brings you home, I got mm -hmm. you. That's my duty. And so, even Thanksgiving, you know, uh, losing my aunt recently, just holding her, mm -hmm. you know, and just letting her know that, look, <laughs> what I told you at 10. Wow. Yeah, I'm that's, 41 now. That's powerful. Yeah, so, mom is, um. You know, they always ask me, like, who's my sports hero? I always say my mom. That's cool. Oh, so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, even though your father wasn't giving you much uh, positive lessons, what would you say is the most important lesson or I inspirational lesson that you learned from him? Oh, man. To be a man and own the things that you didn't do. Yeah. What would you we say is your definition of a man? Because mm. I'm, I'm writing a book about masculinity right now. Yeah. And you're, you know, arguably one of the meanest, toughest NFL uh. defensive players of all time who just wants to inflict pain on people. <laughs> <laughs> that is your mission to hurt people. Yeah. What would you say is, uh, and has your definition evolved of what it means to be a man over the years? Yeah. Um, we took a six-hour drive to, to one part of North Carolina, Charlotte, to another small part of North Carolina where my grandfather, Shady Ray Whitehead, was living. Mm. And I didn't know where we were going. And we pulled up to this green trailer 
And we get out and I walk in and my dad says, meet your grandfather. I'm 33. Mm. And I'm like, okay. Oof. Wow. And I, the floor, couch, I laid on the floor. And I heard my dad say to him, Dad, why did you leave me? Wow. And I said, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> no way. Like, this is generational. Like, this is this is generational curses, man. Like, what are we doing? Right? And, Lewis, there's something special about manhood. 20 years to the day. My son is 21. Mm. I'm 41. My father's 61. My grandfather's 81. <laughs> His father is 101. Wow. Five generations. No way. Five generations. 20 years. 20 years. And I rode with him for six hours, and I never said a word. And when I got done listening to him, this is to your point, I said, you know what a man is? A man accepts all of the wrongs, never complains, forgives, and then moves on. That's what a man does. Because you can never replace him not being to a football game. No. Never replace him not being to a wrestling match. Track me. Never. Beat up by a group of kids. You can never replace him not being there. You can never replace that. So what you can replace is you can replace it with going forward. And going forward simply, if you have kids, if you don't, even if you don't have kids, you can then become a mentor to someone because that's what a man does. A man takes it mm. and then he expands it based off what he didn't have, but now he can use the platform to bless others. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I believe the expansion of real manhood really is, right? The difference of wisdom and knowledge, right? Knowledge is to definitely be gained and read as much as you need to read and, and, and download as much knowledge as you need to. But wisdom is the actual application mm. of knowledge. And once you go through the knowledge of not having and the ups and downs, then the wisdom of that is not to keep it to yourself, it's to spread it. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what I believe. When you ultimately evolve into a man, a man's man, men recognize that. Mm. And so it's funny because now I'm on this side of life and I'm 15 times more popular on this side of life than I was <laughs> playing the game. Playing the game. Yeah. And why is that? You think? Where you ask yourself why? Because the game, any way you want to cut it, is still based on wins and losses. Mm. Right. This side of life is based on life or death. Mm. Yeah. It's it's like there's no option with this one. Right. Remember in the game, practice the next day. Yeah. We we'll lose this week. Always next week. game. Always next week. <laughs> yeah. Focus on next. If day. not next, if not next week, next year. Yeah. Yeah. And. Maybe I didn't go to Super Bowl, I'd go to a Pro Bowl. Da, da, da. So all of that is one thing. But what happens when you come to life? Mm. What happens when a father just walked up to you and told you that he can never see his kids again? Right? An eight-year-old called me the other day and said, my daddy's coming home for Thanksgiving. He's in the military. And he calls me the next day and says, my dad ain't coming home. He dead. Wow. Life gets real. And so you have to be prepared to encourage people not to give up. Encouraging people in a football game is so much easier mm. than looking at a child and knowing mm. that his father is fighting for our country and he ain't coming back. And so the fight is different. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the war is different now. And and um and so I'm in a I'm in a unique place now because the streets are calling and there are not there are not too many voices that will stand 
to be persecuted for the right things. And the right things is, you know, we we as a country need to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. You know, we we as a country have allowed morals to be lost. And that's what manhood is. That's what since as a child, that's all we knew is the way you were raised, the way your family raised you is what is that's the product you're supposed to go put in the earth. Mm. Right. But you pay attention to the music that we're listening to now. Watch the movies. Right. Watch even the video games. Right. You know, Lewis, we got cartoons now cursing and having sex. Right. How do you what? How do you raise kids? You know, we have all of these things that individually we're allowing to happen. But and I keep saying this: there's no day, and they can't do it. They did this. They there's no day. We are the day. We're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Mm. Like we're allowing these things, and I believe popularity comes from correction. People want to be corrected. That's why Joel Osteen is so powerful. Because mm -hmm. people want knowledge. They want to be corrected. They want to be led the right yeah. way. They want to at least have the tool yeah. to go do it. But guess what happens? Distraction, this, that, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And so that's why I believe, you know, manhood is um, is figuring out that when you leave this earth and somebody researches your story, what would they say? Mm. Like, what really would you be, how would you be looked at? Right? And I'm not talking about from falsehoods and false ac accusations and, you know, media can say anything out their mouth and you find yourself going through certain things in life and people can hate you by something they don't have a clue about. Right. And people play judges all the time. They play lawyers all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Until you're really in it. And when you're really in it, you find out something very quickly. You find out how wishy-washy people really can be right and so that's why i think um i stand firm as a man with who i am um because i don't ever want my kids to see something that i know ain't right right my daughter my youngest daughter she just wrote i was going to send it to you this morning she just wrote this um this whole thing for 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 a school and it was a whole thing oh my gosh she she's one of, she's one of the brilliant ones <laughs> athletics is not her thing she <laughs> likes it but She's in like three languages, and she's wow. just very smart. And um, she wrote this thing this morning, well, a couple of days ago, about where music has taken us mm. and the things that we're allowing to be said in music, but we're looking for our population to change. Yeah, with we're, you know, we got all these rappers, and there are some great rappers. You know, I think L. Cool J is one of the cleanest mm. people I've yeah. ever been around in my life. Will Smith <laughs> is, yeah. But when you think about some of the messages that we have now, like we're promoting domestic violence, mm -hmm. like we're promoting drugging women. That's popular for that's people. Popular. Here, yeah, yeah. Ah, it's 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 the new thing, and so that's why I think you know at the end of the day, um, popularity is the same thing that really got the devil kicked out of heaven. So you have to be careful hmm. with who makes you popular, right? And and yeah, and believing your money is your popularity. Mm -hmm. um, I would tra I would trade in any amount of money to save souls anything. Absolutely. And that's what I think true manhood is, is that you're a trailblazer for change, not a pathfinder. See, because a pathfinder, that means you're just following people, and that's what's wrong with social media, right? Mm -hmm. Followers or likes. That contradicts everything the good book says, because the good book says you must be a leader before a follower, but it's the opposite on social media. Mm -hmm. It says, if you like me, then I become popular. Right. But the good book says it's better to be respected than liked. Mm -hmm. 
See, so the contradiction preys on men's and weakness and, and women's weaknesses because the thing that we think makes us credible actually dilutes our brand. Wow. And so that's where the, the where you have to really be careful with the world saying, look how many followers he has, 70 million. Right. And then you have to ask <clears throat> the next question. And your message is what to mm. those 70 million? Mm-hmm. Because if you're leading those 70 million down the wrong path, no matter how much money you got, your life won't end well. No, it's not fulfilling either. It's, it can't be. It can't yeah. be. But so this is, I think, you know, if you think about evolving over time as an athlete, great athletes, great superstar, da 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 da, and then you, you leave that world and you come into walking as a man every day. I walk up to people every day and it's amazing the mothers and the fathers that are literally just pushing their kids towards me like, <laughs> they need to listen to you they need to come live with you you know because i'm like well it ain't me hmm. it's that i've never gotten rid of what my mom taught me yeah right yes ma'am is still yes ma'am absolutely yes sir still yes sir it'll never change right respecting elders is still the same I don't get it, right? You get guys that make all of this money in the league. And now because you make millions of dollars, mm. you feel that you can just curse and say whatever you want to say in front of coaches? Mm. Disrespect. It yeah. shows the level of what we are allowed to happen. You know, we sit in meetings, right? And you listen to all these conversations. And and and, and I sit back and, and I'm like, and then when people start to see me in music, they're like, oh, don't, don't, no, don't, don't say that in front of him. <laughs> yeah, because you're not gonna, you're not gonna sit there and do that. And I'm sitting here, right? I stopped cursing at 24 years old. Mm. Yeah, my last time touching brown liquor was 24 years old, wow. which is almost was was also my last child too. So me and brown liquor don't get along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's certain things <laughs> that I put away hmm. to become a trailblazer hmm. because I wanted people to one day look back and say that's a man I, w- I was craving to be that person that people talked about on Thanksgiving Wow, that's the person I wanted to be Yeah, and now people once was interested in how great a football player I was but now at my speakings and what I do online now the people that i impact now is you're giving them hope mm-hmm. you're giving them direction and you're giving young men an opportunity to say you know what maybe my life isn't where i wanted to be maybe i've been through some tough times but you know what i got an example that shows you right. you don't have to give up absolutely you don't have to buy in and you don't never have to accept the hand that you're dealt change it and so that's why I think this side of life for me is 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 is, is gratifying from the point that a win and loss sometimes got in the way of purpose, mm. right? Because you lose a game, you lose it, you come out of a game, you lose a game. Like, man, I lost. You know what could I do better, whatever. But then now you go to bed at night and you wake up with calls in the morning. You know that I got yesterday morning and said. You prayed for me. You mm. gave me all these affirmations to say. And I just came from the doctor and he says I don't have cancer. Wow. Like that's 
that's nah, Super Bowl is hard to beat. <laughs> it's pretty good credibility right there. But, but saving someone's life is more saving valuable. someone's life. Is, Absolutely, it's more important than saving someone's fantasy team, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, totally different conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, giving people hope with their fantasy team yeah. is different. Yeah. yeah. Man, there's so many things I want to ask you. Right? Anything. Gosh, I'm curious about your mind. Yeah. And how you prepared for the big games and big moments in your career and how that's translated into the big moments in life after mm-hmm. your career. I feel like you are so focused coming out of that tunnel every time mm-hmm. you had a certain intensity and focus of certainty that just no one else really had. Mm-hmm. What was the, the practice or the ritual or the two hours before thing that you did to get ready mentally and emotionally before you stepped out on the field was there a routine you had was there or were you just always wired that way yeah there was a real routine i had um after years um you know when i used to come into my hotel room i I had to have just like now (laughs) i had to have candles everywhere really um my mom got me a bunch of uh the night before the game yeah yeah she got me a bunch of um, holy coverings of, of cloths and holy oil. And I used to, not to be graphic, but get completely nude. Wow. Get on the floor, wrap myself up, put holy oil all over wow. me. And I used to just lay there and just meditate and just let go. Wow. And because... The game will fade. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say. It's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights. Bolder solutions. Better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference. Mm-hmm. Wins and losses come a dime a dozen. But the battle will never be different. And that is you versus me. And when a man physically feel you thrust into them, <laughs> they know what intention you come with. Right. So every night, wow, I had to get to a point of releasing worry, wow. releasing doubt, releasing fear. That's why I studied so much. I studied so much because when I when I go, I'm gone. You can <laughs> you can call it how you call it, but when I go, I'm gone. And and that's what you know. It started to become such a spiritual battle because. When you, you know, people used to, guys, I used to be playing the guys, they used to be like, come on, Ray, don't talk to me like that. I ain't got no other choice. <laughs> Out here, this pure battle. Wow. You know, this ain't no disrespect to war. War and battle is different, right? But it is. It's battle. Like, it's you taking your body. I've been through nine surgeries. Oh. Right? So it's like you taking your body and you're saying, I'm going to go try this one more time and one more time. And one more time. Play after play after play after play. 17 years. Oh, bro. Oh and, so, and so my, I, 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 I used to go in hotel rooms and people would tell you, I don't 
leave my hotel room for nothing. <laughs> Walk downstairs to the meeting, back upstairs to my room. <laughs> wow. I don't need to see the city. I don't want to go out in the city. Wow. My head is down. I don't need. This is what's crazy. That's just what I'm telling you. I, I'm not no no disrespect to the game. Sure. I cheated life so much. <laughs> yeah. Because I was so serious about the game that I walked in. I never forget it. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, all these places. I walked in these places, and I promise you, while I was playing, I never knew what they looked like. The cities, yeah. Never. <laughs> My head is down the whole time. I'm you like got the headphones on. You're just everything. The I'm hoodie. Everybody out. I'm tuning everybody out. Wow. And only until I joined ESPN for a few years. <laughs> That I started to like, travel look in at this city. city. I'm That's like, cool. wow, Cincinnati is beautiful. <laughs> this is why people live here. Right? <laughs> and then I started to realize, like, man, there is more to life. Mm. Like, Ray, you got to come out of this shell. Mm-hmm. And my um, my oldest daughter said something to me one time. She was like, she was like, Daddy, you finally let go. I was like, what do you mean? She says, you laugh all the time now. Because mm. when I was playing. You didn't smile much at all. Man, huh? my kids, man. I, I took my kids to a lot because my kids was like, dad, dad pissed off. Dad, always. Dad pissed off. <laughs> dad is always pissed off. Wow. You know, and I played with them, you know, and yeah, I did yeah, my course. thing, but. It wasn't a sense of like free joy. Right. Just like, it was like, because I knew, I knew that every week I had raised them and trained them to never be outworked. Never right. be outworked. Lewis, I didn't stay around because of my athletic ability. I stayed around purely because my effort was way higher than everybody else's. Mm. Do you feel like you could have, looking back now, you could have had more fun or you could have let go and enjoyed certain aspects of life and still been as no. dominant? Or did you need to be fully obsessed yeah. that whole time? Yeah. That's the only way. Yeah. When you And when you talk to other people about it, like that has done things you've done, like one of my closest friends to this day is Jim Brown. Mm, yeah. And Jim Ohio legend. Yeah. He I'm from Ohio, so yeah. yeah. So he <laughs> mentors me on so many different levels. Yeah. But to listen to how similar we are. Yeah. And the way we think. And I'm like, Wow, Jim Brown. But we think just alike. And that's why I think, you know, once you go, once you buy in, and that's why I say Sometimes it's what you don't have that catapults you to never taking a break. Yeah. And that was my thing. Like, I, I'm telling you, Lewis, like, if you ever went down, if you ever sat down and watched my career, like, closely enough, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play for plays after five, six years. I played for men's spirits. Mm. I wanted them to one day look back and say, you did not want to play against him. <laughs> like that's a whole nother yeah. animal. You want to run to the other side of the field because it's <laughs> run out of bounds. Because it was it's personal. Wow. It's per- every time Gosh. it was personal, and so I'm almost glad I didn't make the league just so I didn't have to get hit by <laughs> just so I had to save my ribs. That's what I love. The you know one thing I did is I love to lose in practice mm-hmm. because. It has showed me on what I can get away with in the game. Uh-huh. That's why I tell people, if you want to try anything, try it at practice. Yeah. Try anything at practice. Anything you want. And I and sometimes 
and offensive coordinators I used to go against. <laughs> Sometimes I just run in there and just shoot to that, and the coordinator was like, "What are you doing, coach? I thought it was a screen. Uh, I, you, I mean, correct me now." But later, you know, and so that's funny. Yeah, so when I got on the field, man, I I, I don't know because I studied so many people. So I studied Bruce Lee, I studied mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, I studied so many like minds um, on how to defeat distraction. And so um, one of the quotes that I stuck with for me stuck with me for a long time is from Ali when he says, "I hated every day of training." But if it meant spending the rest of my life as champion, then I'd do it all over again. Yeah. And I grabbed that quote early. And so when I used to block out six months to go stay at my beach house in Florida, like my kids would tell you, my dad ain't leaving his beach house. <laughs> like if we want to see him, we got to go see him. Right. Yeah. And so when they came down, I started taking them through what I was feeling. Training. Yeah. yeah. Like feel what this sand feels like. <laughs> Like there's no, I mean, I, I got on sand 2001 and I never trained on anything else but sand. Wow. Right. And so it was what I made up in my mind because of the underdog story. Yeah. That's why I love underdogs. Yeah, me too. Right. It's the best. Because it's, it's, nobody can take the temperature of a real underdog. The heart. <laughs> and so that's why I think, you know, me playing, um, I started playing against coordinators. Mm-hmm. I wasn't playing against players no more. I start coordinators started to realize how smart I was in the game. So I started to go back and study film two, three years prior. What is his favorite package? What does he like to run on second downs? And as if you go through a stretch of my career, I used to thought it, I, I used to think it was embarrassing if somebody was able to run a screen on me. Mm. Because you could see it so clearly now. Cause, You're cause, like, you know, that's great. It's Go. a matrix. Yeah. Now, I watch football now, and anybody who watches sports with me is like, how do you see all that? And I'm like, this is the slowest thing I will ever yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. Correct, like, dropping back. It, it's too like slow. <laughs> I can see the lineman. I can see yeah, the tight end. I can see the receiver. I can see the – you can see it all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And so I think it's, a, it's, it's what started to make me realize that, you know what this game really about, and this is why I love wrestling so mm. much. Somebody – Every week, somebody or somebody's has been given an assignment to block you. Yeah. That's it. So when I laid in my quilts at night, I'm sitting there saying, I'm on fish and vegetables. Yeah. I'm on ginger tea. <laughs> I'm on things that I promise you detoxes the brain, and I'm going to get 10 to 11 hours of sleep. Wow. And when I wake up, I promise you, what I'm coming with, you, you, you know these kids. I'm, I'm watching these kids try to play against me, Lewis. Mm. You know, and they eat McDonald's and right. they eat nothing. candy all day. Don't have a chance. No, <laughs> you don't have a chance. You know, and maybe you beat me in the first quarter, and right. maybe you beat me on the plays. That's one thing about my career. I've lost some battles that I look back and say, God darn it! Like, <laughs> why did you look that way? Why did you go yeah, that way? Yeah. But then I wouldn't change nothing mm. because it, it made me say, okay, it won't happen again. Mm. And I think that's what my career was like. My career was, if I made a mistake once, it's hard to beat me twice. Yeah. yeah. You don't remember it. Uh-huh. I'm curious. I don't want to take too much more time, but I have a few more questions. Please. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, you're one of the most influential leaders of today in my mind. And for the fact that you got the greatest Olympian of all time to come out of a retirement, 
I watched a video of him talking about how he had a conversation with you for, I don't know if it was a day or many days when he retired. I think it was when you were going to the Super Bowl last. And he decided, I think, to come back and pursue the Olympics yeah. again. Now, why did you have a conversation with Michael? And mm. what, why was your purpose behind having him come back after he had achieved more than any human had ever done in the Olympics? We have been friends over a decade, way before that. Mm -hmm. He's a big Ravens fan. and Baltimore. Living yeah, in Baltimore. Yeah. So our relationship was more of a older brother, yeah, younger brother to him. And a lot of people don't know, like, a lot of my games, after I got through a lot of my games, I just go over his house. Really? Yeah. Wow. You just sit down and chill. That's cool. And... um and my 40th birthday, he comes through the door, and he says, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> I know when he talks a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> I was Something's like, up. I was like, okay, what's up? And he says, I want to talk to you about coming back. I said, okay, let's go talk right now. Mm. He was like, okay. I said, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> unless you tell me why you're doing this. You said this, John. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I just think I love someone from this business. I said, listen, answer this question for me. Is this for somebody else or is this for you? He was like, it's for me. I said, I'm 100% in. I said, now, now that you said that, I'm going to be big brother to you and I'm going to tell you the truth. We had to give up everything. You got to change your whole thought process. Mm. He was like, I was like, I'm not playing. Like, I'm not going to go on this ride. Like, unless you're dead serious. Mm. And he was like, and it took a few days. Yeah. And he came over a few more days and we really sat down and we really went over it. And I shared some stuff with him that I won't share with everybody right sure, now. Sure. But I shared some stuff with him that I think honed him in to like this ain't no game mm -hmm. this life yeah and we have plans like me and him we have real plans on what we want to do in the second half of life yeah and I said I'll delay those for you to go finish this I will you know <laughs> and then he joked around he was like so why don't you come back for a few years <laughs> right you're 40 I said I'm done yeah I had my fun. But it was one conversation the last time we talked and I grabbed him by the back of his neck and I, I made him answer something. And I said, look at me. And he looked up and I said, let's go. Mm. You ready? And I knew it. You know? and, and, and more people will be able to explain that to you if you ever look at somebody. Deep lit enough in their eyes. Yeah. Man's, man can't hide too many things that's in their mm -hmm. eyes because it's in their soul and their spirit. And there was something that he wanted and I wanted it for him. And so some of the messages mm. that I was sending him before the meets and everything, they were personal. Yeah. But only me and him know exactly what I was talking about. Right. And I'm like, God damn it, ain't no tired. Ain't no nothing. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's finishing this. Yeah. Because the only thing you're competing against. And that's one of the biggest things I told him, Lewis. This is not against nobody else. This is against yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's the story of my tricep is what I ended our conversation with. Because I've never felt pain like that in my life. Yeah. I read that in your book. Yeah. And to, to pin my arm up the night before the Super Bowl and have it dangling because it was burning so bad. Oh. But what are you going to say? You can't walk up to your team and say, I can't play today. No. You can't walk out there and say that. No. You just got to say. You deflate the whole team. <laughs> you just got to say, I'm in. Let's go. Go with it. Wrap it up. Man, I'm walking through the I'm walking through the Superdome. I'm walking through New Orleans when we got ready to come in, Lewis. And I'm like, Lou, how are you finna play a football game? <laughs> you cannot pick up your arm. Wow. And I'm saying, okay. I said, Lord, okay. The test bigger then. I'm on faith. I'm yeah. on straight faith. And it was kind of what I told him. Is that mm. until you're until you reach this level pure pain that nobody else can ease you'll never know what being a champion feels like yeah and that's why i think for him he needed to hear yeah that no it's not impossible it's just certain things you got to switch out on and give up yeah. before you go back and do it right and so that's why I, I was uh that's cool i was happy to see the way we finished it the way he finished it because no, he writes his own story. Yeah, yeah. I was I was there in Rio, yeah. and I got to watch him yeah. a couple of times. I didn't see a final. I saw a semifinal, but it was really cool to yeah. just be up and close and, and see. Because I'd never seen him swim in person. So yeah. for me, I was like, I got to see his last, yeah. one of his last races and make sure hey, I, I witness history. Um, but it was really cool to see his energy switch also. He was able to be more relaxed, kind of have more fun. It's what the thing I was telling him. So every text I was sending him, I was sending him yeah. small little things. Practice on this. Think about this. Think about this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because that's all it is. It's yeah. not about nobody you're swimming against. Yeah. Right? If, if, if athletes ever understand that, right, the game, the competition, it ain't about nobody else. It's about you versus you. That's it. How can you inspire yourself yeah. to, to, to achieve a level of greatness mm -hmm. that not too many people that will ever walk this earth can pull off. That that's a different breed. Yeah. That's a different conversation. It's amazing. And so that's why I wanted him to relax. And that's why you see he was yeah. really like really chill. Yeah. We're FaceTiming before the meets cool. and stuff. So it was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, this is a question I ask at the end. It's called yeah. the three truths. The three truths. Okay. Three truths. Yeah. If this is your last day many years from now. Mm -hmm. You live a long life. You yeah. achieve everything you ever wanted and dreamed of. Yeah. You achieve it. You yeah. impact as many people as you want. It all happens. Yeah. You write a million books, everything. And uh, it's the last day for you. Yeah. Everyone you care about is there. And it's about to be, lights are about to shut off. Yeah. New lights are about to turn on, right? Mm -hmm. And um, everything you've created is erased from time. Okay. And your family and your friends are there and your great-great-grandson walks up and says, we don't have anything to remember you by, mm -hmm. but here's a piece of paper and a pen. Will you write down the three things you know to be true about everything you've experienced in life, those three lessons that you'd pass on to us? Yeah. So if you could boil it down to three simple truths about life's lessons, what would you write down? Yeah. I would write down, number one, I would write down, master, master your relationship with God, number one. 
Number two, trust no one with your heart. And number three, never, never be outworked, ever. Mm. Not with it. Yeah. It's like, you can go at a zillion things, but things that I think when the legacy is done, when the shade one day will close, what will people look back one day and say, what did you give me? And that is, I don't want, I, I tell my family this all the time. I know you will, but don't cry when I'm gone. Mm. Please. Because I've done it. I ran, I ran my race. Mm-hmm. Right? And now, to one day for me personally to hear those words that I know I will hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then all I can leave is everything that I've endured, all of my pain that I don't remember, and all of the people that come behind me can one day look back and say, he did it, so can I. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of what I, I kind of teach my kids that. I tell my kids all the time, as a baby, when they was babies, I used to say, that's why I chase sunsets. I say, look at the sunset. I say, what is that? Say, that's the sun. I say, but what is it? It's heaven. It's heaven. It's just settling the prepares for another day mm. yeah but it's you know I read this book about heaven being over 40,000 plus sunsets wow streets paved in gold and you're just you're at this place where you don't have no memory of pain or fear or doubt and I said that the last day of my life came and people were sitting around me I would say smile because I made it to the other side mm, that's cool yeah and what would you want people to say about you? <laughs> Honestly, that I think he cared more about his relationship with God, which ultimately impacted how he felt about people. Mm. Because that's, I believe all of us um, will be held accountable to how that we make people feel. Yeah. Like not, God won't ask one question about a Super Bowl. <laughs> he won't ask how much your bank account has mm. but he will ask a question to each and every person at the day of judgment who did you send towards me did you have a did you did you change did you alter heaven a little bit just by sending a person's life to me mm. see cause if you change a life then you alter heaven mm. and then if you altered heaven then you will be remembered as doing God's will and not man's will and that's what I want to be remembered as. I want to be remembered as a man that did God's will. And when you're done with that side of things, I'll see you on the other side. Mm. Sit up on the old oak tree, glass of lemonade, with with God's sugar, not cane. <laughs> but you know, we have a duty, Lewis, that we're supposed to make this world better, mm-hmm. not make it bad, not make it worse. And I think me leaving here, this earth one day, there will be something said about people in general that you will remember for a lifetime. Yeah. Because it just carries over to the next life. Right? The test is here. Right? So a Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Mm-hmm. Simple. Mm-hmm. But once you read it to understand 
the life of Jesus and the life of all of the greats that spoke about in the Bible, David, Moses, Solomon, Peter, all of them, no matter what their faults were, it was what they did for people. That's why David wrote Psalms, mm -hmm. Book of Praise, to give us just direction. Solomon, Book of Proverbs. That's why he wrote the Book of Pure Wisdom. He says, read these things because you will need these things to endure. And so when you write your story, hopefully your story is remembered ages mm. after you're gone. And so I want to be remembered like David was remembered. A man after God's own heart. Mm. A man that truly was okay with persecution because I knew where the ultimate will end up. And the ultimate for me is when the Lord come back, he says, many are called, few are chosen. Mm. And I'm going to make sure I carry out my life to make sure that I'm one of the chosen ones. Mm -hmm. And if I do that, <laughs> he say you live forever. Mm. That's called living. Yeah. Like, All right. That's called life. And so that's why I think, man, um, that's why I think people like you, right? So I think we can't stop. Yeah. You know, I think um, the expansion of the mind is what we all should take time to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even when you think you got your whole world figured out, you can always evolve and go different places. Yeah. And um, that's why I applaud, you know, you being able to expand, to open your mind to say, man, I just came from this place that just blew my mind. Yeah. Because all it actually did. And so I'll leave you with this. See, you going over there confirms what I've been telling people. Not to fall into the trick of listening to people when they say that you can only use 10% of your brain. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. Yeah. That's a lie. Man. Because if you got a real relationship with God, you're using way more than 10%. Absolutely. Yeah. But when you go to experience the meditations that you went to experience yeah. and actually sat down to where you can recharge the mind, the good book says renew the mind every day. But see, I beg to differ just a little bit because I say we should renew the mind every second of every day because mm. that's the things that we let get by. Yeah. 80, 80, Plus thousand. Let me go somewhere right quick. Because <laughs> I just wrote this. And I want you to remember this. Yeah. Because I did this thing about this. I think it's 81,600 seconds in a day. Something like that. If I was to ask you nothing else, how many seconds in a day do you think you waste <sighs> with things that really matter? Right? Mm. That's why my investment is, is people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. A lot of people invest in people in a different way and to really manipulate us mm -hmm. and use us in bad ways, you know. But when you think about numbers and how harsh numbers are, not to end on a bad note, sure. the numbers that nobody's paying attention to now, the homicides, the suicides, the rapes, the sex trafficking, the drugs, this ain't it. This ain't it. And it's going to take someone bold enough, bold enough to fight this fight, to give people mm -hmm. just a little bit of hope, a 
breath that I can keep going in life. Because the world it, here does not tell you to keep going. Yeah. Here tells you I'm going to trap you in something. Right. <laughs> I'm going to allow you to engage in something. I'm going to brainwash you with all this music. I'm going to let all of these TV shows. I'm going to let video games just shoot where you can be a sniper and just shoot people in their brains and mm -hmm. they just fall dead. I'm going to give you all of those things. But then it don't tell you that if, if I followed Lewis Howe's message and if I disappeared, if I went on this mind retreat, mm -hmm. right? We go on a lot of vacations. Yeah. But we don't go on too many mind vacations. Right. There's only people like like yourself mm -hmm. that I think can um, have a real impact on the way our world should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. So I think that's what, you know, to, to leave a legacy, a legacy is man watched destiny is God given. Mm. That's the difference. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Is there anything missing for you in your life? No. I don't miss too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I've got one, one final question. Yeah. Uh, before I ask the question, where can we make sure you guys get the book? This is the book you got to read. If you want to learn more about the, uh, the mind behind the man, the legend, um, We'll have it all linked up on the show notes, but where else yeah. can we connect with you? You're big on Instagram, yeah. Facebook, yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Um, I'm getting caught in all those I things. I see you posting more and more. I like it, You man. see that? I like it, you man. You see that? I like I'm it. finally starting to open up the social media a little bit. Get, so. Download his podcast, Tackling Life. You yeah. do it, what, once every other week? Yeah, when I do it I do it once a week. Uh, once a week, right Every now. Monday. Every Monday we record. Um, we started doing two, but I kind of listened to your advice. <laughs> You know, just do one. Start right off now. one for the Start first year. Start off one for the first year. It comes a lot. Yeah, it comes a lot. Yeah, it's but good. the podcast is really awesome, man. Yeah. I think um, with a lot of relationships, I think I have, you know, with everything that I'm starting to do at Under Armour now. Yeah. And, What's and the I, partnership you have with them? Well, uh, we signed. I signed a long, well, really a lifetime deal. Wow. Yeah, basically. Because you're friends with Plank. And yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been living next to each other for since 1996. Um, we still do. And um, and I think it's what we're trying to do, and and mm -hmm. and him understanding my vision and what I want to do for people, and and we just opened up our um, first building. Used to be the old Carmelo Anthony Center, wow. and now inside of this center, man, you give these kids hope again. Yeah. You know, you have your arts and crafts, you have your 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 studios in there now. You have wow. places for them to go to to learn how to how to. Uh, do solar and I have Power 52 inside of there at the bottom mm. of the building and and it's just so many things that now these kids have a place to go in one of the in one of the worst neighborhoods in Baltimore. Wow. It's like an but after this, school program. Yeah. yeah. Well wow. it's it's not an after school it's all day. All day. Wow. All day and, and you know the vision is to put up about 30 more um, in Baltimore. In and Baltimore. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah cool. man and you know Louis I'm telling you man like you know to people to be in business with you know, the people that I'm in business with now and to affect true change, you know, the way that we're affecting change now. Um, you know, I just came from doing a big thing, Ferguson 1000, Baltimore 1000. Um, Ferguson 1000, we gave away almost 700-plus um, jobs. Amazing. And one day, Baltimore, we gave about 1,200 jobs. Um, L.A., we're coming here January 13th, 14th, and 15th. We'll probably do another uh, true economic development here that gives away right at about seventeen hundred to two thousand jobs. Amazing. Um, 
And how can people learn about that? Project? Oh, you can you can go on Baltimore One Thousand, uh, uh, Baltimore One Thousand dot com. You can look up look look up that Ferguson One Thousand dot com cool. as well. Um, and and a bunch of my sites, a bunch of my things, because I I want to make it easy on social media. Is you pull up my name yeah. and all of my things. What's your fall. main website? What's your Ray Lewis? Everything Ray is Ray Lewis. Com. Yeah, because <laughs> no, it's simple. Right? Well, no, nah, because you you get into too much with that. Yeah. yeah. Course, so yeah. you know, I I wanted to get my name. Your name has everything on there. Everything on that. It's, one like that, it's hard sure. to find. It's hard to miss me. Of course. <laughs> on anything that I'm doing on uh, online and stuff, Very cool. man. But bro, I, I really appreciate you, man. Yeah. Like, um, seriously, um, this won't be the first, the last time. Absolutely, um, man. And. Uh, I'm gonna keep on, you know, taking, uh, stealing a lot of your advice. I love take the ideas. I like the wall of greatness. I love the wall of greatness. You'll be up there after this. But I love the wall of greatness, though. It's clean, right? And then just to see the word greatness, yeah, Yeah. to see it every day, it gives you a little swagger coming (laughs) in. (laughs) Well, before I ask, before I ask the final question, I want to uh, acknowledge you for a moment, Ray. Yeah. One for having a great last name. Same as my first I knew name, it was so going to work as soon as I saw your first <laughs> No, but honestly, I want to acknowledge you for your incredible, your incredible heart, man. Your heart and your voice. You have such a um, huge heart. You know, you're a big uh, guy, but your heart is even bigger. Uh, and you, you, you share it with the world so openly in terms of your giving and your service and your dedication to transforming lives beyond sports. Mm-hmm. So I want to first acknowledge you for your incredible heart yeah. and for – all the pain and suffering that you've been through to make it as big as it is today. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the lessons that you learned and everything you went through because you probably wouldn't be the guy you are today yeah. without it. And then for your voice, you know, there's so many athletes who use their platform for, they waste it. Mm-hmm. They waste their voice or they say things that are, don't matter mm-hmm. or they say things that bring people down mm-hmm. or they say things just to get attention for their brand or something. Mm. And you use your voice in such a powerful way that I don't know if any other athlete does or, or former athlete mm-hmm. does in the way that you do with such intention to inspire and to yeah. lift people up, not bring people down. Yeah. So I acknowledge you for the man you've become, the mm-hmm. man you are, your voice, your huge heart, and for your commitment to service in the world. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Of course, man. That's awesome. Final question is, what's yeah. your definition of greatness? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is not hard because the definition of greatness is a lot of small things done well. Greatness is not this one thing that jumps out the sky and says, he's great. No. Greatness is falling, getting up, falling, getting up, falling, getting up. Greatness is Michael Jordan being cut his junior year in high school, saying he's not good enough. Greatness is Muhammad Ali losing mm. and then coming back and regaining the title. Greatness is a bunch of pain that forces you to come out of your comfort zone. Because if it's done no other way, you will never reach greatness. It's impossible. Mm. And that's why when you think about the mentality of greatness, there are no breaks. I hate to tell people that. Because right. right? today's time, everybody wants it fast. You can be popular, but to be great, <laughs> Monday on top of Tuesday, Tuesday on top of Wednesday, Wednesday on top of Thursday, Thursday on top of Friday, Friday on top of Saturday, Saturday on top of Sunday, and start over, mm-hmm. and start over, and start over, and start over. And true greatness is always evolving. True greatness is always evolving. It never stays the same. 
your comfort zone will stay the same mm-hmm. unless sometimes you're forced to come out of it. I truly believe this. I said this. I spoke at T.D. Jake's church not too long ago. And I said, you will never touch a level of greatness until your comfort zone is disturbed. And the moment your comfort zone is disturbed, research, research the story. If you don't do nothing else before you write this, of how many people comfort zone had to be disturbed before they touched it. It's, it's the blueprint mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, it's the blueprint for it. That's what I studied the most, and that's what I appreciate the most. That what nobody could never take away from me is what I've been through, and how I endured. Yeah, yeah. So mm. that's what I believe greatness is. It's this thing. It's a swagger. <laughs> it's a swagger walk because it's like, guess what? Everything you said about me is still irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Because I pulled off everything you said I couldn't. Yeah. That's what makes Michael Jordan Michael Jordan. That's what made Ali Ali. It was all the things that they said they couldn't do. That's what made Jim Brown Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's what, yeah. I don't, you'll never hear me, I don't put myself in a bunch of those categories. Yeah. Because those are, those are true legends for me. Um, I'm humble enough to, Except when people say it about me, but I like speaking about other people that I've seen it. Yeah. Myself. You know, Labbird, greatness. Yeah. Just greatness. Just it's it's a certain thing. Jerry Rice, just greatness. It's just certain things. Mm-hmm. Right? Usain Bolt, greatness. Michael Phelps, greatness. Mm-hmm. Right? Just just bottle that up. Yeah. Bottle that up and then sell that. Because that's what, <laughs> that's what people need to buy. Yeah, absolutely. Sell that. Yeah. Well, I'll put you in that category. Absolutely. Ray Lewis, the legend. Thanks, man. Lou, appreciate, appreciate you, you man. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. For me, getting to sit across an individual like Ray Lewis is such a pleasure because of his incredible career and what he's created in his life to... To learn from someone like this who has such wisdom, experience, commitment, dedication to his craft and to his life is so powerful for me. And I hope you guys enjoy learning along with me because my intention and my vision is to bring out the best insights and inspiration from the greatest people in the world and share them with you as well as I'm learning along the entire journey. So if you guys enjoyed this one, then make sure to spread the message of greatness. Share this with one friend. Email them, text them, tweet them, post this on their Facebook page, tag them on Instagram, tag myself at Lewis Howes and at Ray Lewis, and let us know what you thought of this interview and share the link out with your friends. LewisHowes.com slash 415. You have greatness inside of you. You were born with a unique gift that no one else has. It's time for you to step up and allow the world to see who you really are. Guys, I love you. Thank you so much for being a part of this movement of greatness. It means the world to me. And do yourself a favor and share this with one friend. Make a difference in one person's life today by sending them this message. I know they will be inspired when they hear the words of Ray Lewis. I love you. 
and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say. It's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference.